Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now, Lance, if I pronounce this correctly, Lance Reedinger, right? Awesome. Perfect. Awesome, awesome. And he is the author of the book titled 70. How you doing, Lance? Perfect, Scotty. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. I'm so glad that you can make it and that we can make this happen. Um, so the first question I got for you, how did you get involved with writing and what made you want to become an author? Absolutely. I think that every author has that aha moment. Mm -hmm. And for me, after the first time watching Jaws, my mother was an avid reader, big paperback reader. Mm -hmm. And after watching Jaws, she stuck Peter Benchley's classic in my hands and said, take a look at this. And it just blew my mind. Uh, I think a lot of us that are literature freaks and we love books have that moment where you create the story yourself. And it's so much different than film. We too often see, oh, it's not as good as the book, not as good as the book. Well, when we read a book, we are the director, we are the producer. You know, and a good author can set that in. So that's how my passion for literature um, started. And then being an 80s child, horror was subculture. I mean, we've had a boom in the last 10 years. So it, I, of course, navigated right to Clive Barker, Stephen King, Anne Rice. Yeah. And that's where the passion really started. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So the book is titled 70. So what is this book about and why did you title it 70? Sure. So to start, several years ago, I, I wanted to start putting out my own work. I kept seeing a lot of other people do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you take that jump off mm -hmm. and say, let me try it. Um, what had happened in horror, as we see building up to this, is 2003, Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes out. They did a good job with the read. Nobody expected it to make $150 million. Mm -hmm. Producers and everyone in the horror film industry kind of sat and waited. The very next year, Dawn of the Dead comes out. Another Smashbox office hit. Mm -hmm. So now we were entering our 20th year of remakes, reboots, now reimaginings. Mm -hmm. Some are good. The vast majority are not. So about seven years ago, when I started wanting to get into the industry and really work, and I could financially afford to take a risk, um, I wanted to hit new ideas, new works, new monsters, you know, kind of the same tropes, but try something. So my first book, Claws, was a creature feature. Second book was Contest for like Battle And I, of course, I, I come into vampires. I want to do my vampire books. So 70 is a vampire novel. And over 100 years, you know, it's all been done before. So um, we, we see like Count Dracula. We see a lot of vampires, and, and they're a little bit older, and they're very distinguished gentlemen. So 70 is uh, how did someone a little bit older, a new citizen, become a vampire? Mm -hmm. And then my new take on it is, you know, as a culture in the last 100 years, we've accelerated. So we see our senior citizens, and I think as North Americans as opposed to Asian African, uh, mm -hmm. European cultures. We kind of disrespect our senior citizens. Yeah. And when we look back 100 years ago, it was 1922. As a species, we have accelerated so much. So I took my protagonist and antagonist, Robert, is my, uh, my lead character. We like to write on both in the horror genre. And I've taken him looking into the world from a senior citizen's point of view and kind of disappointed that he lived this good life and, you know, old world and old fashioned. And then he gets the immortal gift. And you start to see him, what if I played it a little bad? So I'm not going to give everything away. 
But that's the basic concept that I thought would be new and fun. And it's three weeks in, it's played well. And more than anything, people have really liked the originality, which is hard when you're talking vampires, werewolves. You know, it's been done before. It's very hard to come up with something. Yeah, absolutely. So where did this idea and inspiration come from in the, in the, the plot of 70? Well, I, I tell you, I've been in property management, the nine to five job for almost two decades. Okay. And one thing I saw, Scotty, going back to that, and mm -hmm. for me, I'm 44 now, not a spring chicken, but I spent a year in senior housing. Mm -hmm. And like the lead character, I'd seen a lot of males that had lost their wives. And most literature film, it's always the widow. It's always the widow. Mm -hmm. We kind of don't look at the men who try to be tough, you know, mm -hmm. and losing somebody. They kind of put it. And I kind of seem like these men basically die because their life partner was gone. Like I said, it's a different mm -hmm. age. You know, back then you were with the same person almost from teenager to death. And mm -hmm. um, they put on a brave face. And so that's where the idea had come from years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of sprung into, well, I could fit this into a vampire where now age is, you know, that's my tagline. Age is just a number. Right. So now they have a second crack and they can, they can go ahead and try something maybe new, walk on the wild side because they're not worried about their mortality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. So um, who made the book cover then for the book? Did you make it? Did you have somebody draw it? Very, very good. And, I, you know, touching on, um, you know, for new authors out there, this is my fourth year as a professional uh, author. You know, mm -hmm. they actually pay me to do this, which is crazy. Um, so I, my first two books, and I was in a couple anthologies, come from a small, smaller press. Very nice. Very, so I've moved on to a place, and I highly recommend it, New Book Authors, which is a hybrid. You, you do pay a small fee. Your money is guaranteed. What I like about hybrids, when some people say self-published or they, they've spent like five, six, $7,000, don't ever do that, by the way. Mm -hmm. And you have to be accepted. So that was that. Now, the funny thing is to get to your question. So new, new book authors, they asked me what kind of cover I wanted. And I got so excited because I'm a writer. I, I can't even draw a stick. I'm, like I said, mm -hmm. I'm in my mid-40s. They call it technophobic now is, is the, mm -hmm. the key word for it. I could barely get into this Zoom meeting without having a nervous breakdown. And, uh, but I wanted a silver book because a lot of books are black, you know, and I did a black book and a white cover and I said, okay, well, I want to do silver because it's kind of silver plays a role in it and stakes. And I spent four weeks trying and I was working with a friend of mine trying to put together a cool cover and I thought it was cool. And then I go to the publisher and they said, oh, that looks nice, but we're going to go like this. And so when you start dealing with higher publishers, you have to realize, because I was very upset. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, they designed it. I think they have stock. Uh, and, you know, it's really well. People like it. Um, they are the experts. They do this research yeah. all the time. They have 20 to 30 releases a month. So I do want to speak to that also for new authors and people moving up the ladder that you do have to do compromises. And, of course, you spend the time and you think it's the coolest thing ever. But, you know, in the end, you have to um, you, you have to compromise and you have to listen to the people that do this. And you have to do your research or you work. You know, yeah. people can put together a fancy website, talk mm -hmm. to authors that have worked there, reach out. It's a world where we're all connected, you know, and, yeah. and they have been absolutely a fantastic. Erica Hughes, who's my uh, publicist and editor, um, absolutely fantastic. But yes, they, they, they used it from a stock and they made some additions to it. And it's played pretty well. Awesome. Awesome. So what was the most, uh, I guess, well, I guess what was the hardest part in finishing this book? I, the hardest part for me, coming into uh, professional writing later, I always had these ideas for 20 years, you know, and I, said, <laughs> I just couldn't find the time because I needed to pay bills. Uh, you know, it's hard to make a buck. So <laughs> the writing has been, I have the opposite of writer's block, maybe too many ideas. 
And as a horror fanatic and doing review work, um, you know, I watch, this is going to scare people, I watch at least three to eight horror films uh, a week and TV shows. And I read at least one novel every 10 to 15 days if I can. Um, so these ideas of my own have always been there. The hardest part for me, even starting with my first novella, has been the post-production. I never expected it to be that hard. Uh, I am not a PhD in literary, you know, but I can write a little bit. We have all this technology. I didn't think it was that right. bad. The way, and, and I give them credit, editors and publishers, the way that they pick and, and format and structure a lot of stuff. I always say I'll take 50% of the credit. Mm -hmm. you know, they really make it. Uh, and then it's a little frustrating. And as you know, Scotty, I know you have a release next fall. There's a yep. time frame that I was never expecting. You write it, and then you want to get it out, and you want to share it with the world. Well, there's <laughs> six to 12 months for it to hit yep. shelves and, and get listed. That was the hardest because I'm a very I'm a very excitable guy. So I want it out today, and um, <laughs> that's the hardest part, the waiting game. You yeah. know, and sometimes it's just the way they work. You know, publishers like sales, mm -hmm. uh, but they're efficient is what I've learned, and that's the reason mm -hmm. why. I've watched people pump out two, three books, and it's just sloppy. Yeah. You can't put out the sloppy work. You know, when you're first starting, that's fine. You want to get through the process, but you have to be patient. And that's something that's yeah. been very hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my book's coming out in August. And as you said, the waiting game is so hard. My book is available for pre-order, but it's like, I can't wait for it to come out already. <laughs> <laughs> and and absolutely. As, yeah, and a bad thing regard, I wouldn't say bad thing, but like a thing that you want to try to avoid, like with your, with, in your case, you like, you have so many different ideas. You don't want to oversaturate your book with so many different plot points and so many different ideas because then it becomes too much for the reader. I agree 100%. My first book, yeah. Falls, which was basically a homage to uh, Creature from the Black. Mm -hmm. And I had thought of this in 1999, it was being in Maryland. I knew you, you're now one of us. Mm -hmm. uh, but coming from, uh, you know, crabs are such a big part of Baltimore life. And I, was, mm -hmm. I couldn't believe that nobody had ever done a crab monster. And my original manuscript was 62,000 words. Well, they cut it to 32. And they mm -hmm. were like, you are writing a basic novella for a basic horror audience to get started. Stop trying to write needful things to <laughs> So you are a thousand yeah. point, uh, you know, just because I like it and I want to read the details. I would say one of, one of the best writers of our time right now, Stephen Graham Jones. Um, I think he gets wordy, and I love his work, and he's unbelievable. Uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw was, was brilliant. I think it was nominated and probably won several books a year for the hardest genre. Um, but you read sometimes, and it's three to four. Now, he's Stephen Graham Jones. Yeah. Uh, but it's three to four pages of a description of a desk, and it's like, I see exactly what you're talking about. So the mainstream, and that's the biggest thing for horror authors. Your horror crowd's going to be there, and they're going to like it. Okay? Yeah. Jumping into that mainstream, that's where the big bucks come in. That's where your big yeah. contracts come in. Yeah. very very difficult absolutely absolutely so speaking about being an author what do you believe the most challenging part of just being an author is i'd say especially there's no such thing as a part-time or part-time right. writer and i've coined a phrase it's like having a cool mistress you go to bed with her at night you wake up with her in the morning and she nags the hell out of you all day long um so there's no there's there, there's no you know just because i work a full-time job and we, most, I think it's 80% of authors have, have to supplement their income. The mm -hmm. hardest part is, I think, concentrating in your everyday life, especially when you're really tuned in. Mm -hmm. um, not that I'm going around thinking about decapitating people in my office sometimes. Um, but <laughs> that is the hardest part, to concentrate on your work. And I always say, I, I, I do a couple uh, lessons at my local library down in Dundalk. And I always say, you have to give yourself a time frame, but you have to visit your work every day. 
You know, yeah. even if it's they, they, they do the typical 1000 words a day. Well, that's great. And I, I like that. Um, I like that quota. Sometimes I go off to 2500 to 3000 and I get really sloppy. Right. But it, even if you just read a sentence or you reread at least 15, 20 minutes, visit your work every day is the best advice I can get. You don't get too tuned out. But yes, to answer your question, the hardest part is staying, staying tuned in when, you know, this is not um, your 24 hour job. Right. Absolutely. Oh, pardon me. I've uh, been up since 4.30. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, work is crazy. And speaking of work, I have like I have a full-time job. You know, I, I mean, most authors that are like are on a Stephen King, for example, where their income comes from their books and they make millions of dollars, you know, like they, they they don't um they they aren't part-time writers but they 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 do put a lot of work in but it's hard to to micromanage it and you got to figure a time a, figure a, a good stance for you whether you're you know if you put your hours into your full-time job and then you put in your hour you put in whatever for your book whether it's you know you work five days a week and you, you write maybe an hour or two after work or whatever and then you you spend eight to nine hours a day on saturdays and sundays doing the job like you have to find time to get it done or your book is not going to get done you, you, you can't be anymore right and I, I i've made friends with so many talented people with amazing ideas yeah um for me, there's no wife and kids. It's a little bit easier. I mean, but with work and I, I do athletics and stuff. And but also, and, and this is a big recommendation that you do so well with your interviews, Scotty, and your book. Mm -hmm. uh, I work for Horror Nation. It's not right, okay. but if you're serious, like you, know, you gotta kind of work in the mm -hmm. uh, you're not that VP for Lion Gate. I'm not a VP for a head editor, but I'm working at Horror Nation. You're doing it and most of all, yep. seriously, you have a lot. So it's not even working your full time job. It's not writing. It's you're right. playing an audience by being in the industry. And for yeah. us, we love it, but of course, it takes a lot. Yeah. Uh, and you have to do it. You hit the nail on that. I, I've met so many talented people that have either never finished any in history or. Uh, Oop, think I lost you. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Did I, did I buzz out? Yeah, you buzzed out for about five seconds. <laughs> okay. So going back to that, and I, and I have a good hint for anybody. For people that um, got one work and they just forget it, and they're so talented. I want to read more of their stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and if you talk about, I, I can't, his name's off the top, I had the Da Vinci Code. I, I took his master. The process before, and like you're a filmmaker as well. You have to have a yeah. battle plan before you even write it. Yeah, and for me, my, and I, I love this. I do a lot of my process. You have to find your own process. Yeah. I love, and I have theater based. I love the kiss analogy. Keep it simple. So, so I'm a three act guy, and I do my three acts. I write my characters, and then say, like, I'm getting ready to do my outline for my next work. Um, I break it down by chapter, and then it's less intimidating. My author wants eighty thousand words, so I, I'm mm -hmm. confident now. Four years ago, I would have a partner, but now. I'm confident because I know how to write, if it's 30 chapters, I know how to write 30 short stories instead mm -hmm. of 80,000 words. Now, of course, we're going to do 56 revisions, um, but I think a process is, is the most important to try to get, like you said, get through it, get yeah. it actually done uh, when you have all other things going on. Yeah.
Absolutely. And I'm smiling right now because your process is very similar to mine. I don't use the kiss analogy in terms of saying kiss, but I do use keep it stupid, simple, keep it simple, stupid. I always use that phrase because the more you overcomplicate it, the more it's going to be oversaturated, overkill. It's not going to make sense. So keep it simple, stupid. I always use that phrase all the time. I never thought, heard of it as kiss, but I do like that. <laughs> and I, I always agree. You list the characters. You don't want to have 200 characters in your book. That's overkill. Keep it simple, stupid, as you mentioned. You know, five, ten characters, you know, max, maybe five of them being the main characters, the other five being supporting players, and then maybe some extra roles and all that stuff in it. Like, you don't want to oversaturate your book with characters. I always do that. I always put my characters, I put who they are, like a description of who they are, what, the, like, what they're involved in, and then I kind of, like, write down their traits. Then I figure, like, well, chapter one. Chapter one, like if I'm going to introduce this character, I'm going to say who they are, how they are, what their height, their weight, whatever is is meant to, to explain who they are. And like that, you want to, you want to, you, you, you don't want to overly, overly um, like describe the character neither, but you want to describe it enough that when you're, when the, the, you know, reader is reading it, that they can get it in their mind. They can visualize it. And that's what Absolutely. Stephen King does brilliantly. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, a lot, I'm glad to hear you say that. A lot of the younger generation, they have, um, I, I, that, those are perfect points. And because King's iconic to me. And yes, some of us, you know, that grew up with that and then that people rediscover that, read yeah. his stuff, what I call rose-colored glasses. Well, yeah. Stephen King did two things that I think are essential. He transformed setting and he evoked emotion. Yeah. What I mean by that, he makes you care about his characters before he kills them. Mm -hmm. And he takes you from your reading chair, your bed, and he takes you into Castle Rock. He takes you into yep. Terry. And I, I don't think anybody, like I said, Needful Things is the greatest novel for me ever written. And when I talk to like literary snobs, they're like, oh, horror, you know, you're the black sheep. I'm like, have you ever read any of his work, you know? And right. then I think for the younger generations kind of coming into the newer stuff, Stephen King had two things. He had a tragic car accident. And then he kind of sobered up. He, he talked about his addiction to alcohol and drug abuse. Yep. And I think also, where's the point where this man kind of runs out of ideas? So his work post-2000 has been more like human-based monsters. And yeah. I think the, the younger generation doesn't like that. I mean, whatever he writes is like, you know, he, he could write a new phone book. book. But yeah. you're absolutely right, and especially his work from like late 70s to mid-90s. Yeah. For me, it's, the, you know, and, and we all love Lovecraft, but I think, I don't think anybody's touch come close. Clive Barker, and Barker does a lot of different stuff was fantastic but i mean the body of work this man put out for 15 years yeah. uh one stellar i mean that's why we're still adapting his book you know it yeah. has that invoke of emotion and like you said he's transformed your setting and it's it's very hard to, to replicate it's very hard yeah yeah you have it you have the shining you have the green mile which isn't really horror based you know you have that book that's a classic i mean he has so many books pet cemetery like a lot of classics that he has that is is amazing and uh, i mean i don't even i i, I could only dream to write something so brilliant the only problem i always had with stephen king and i noticed it a lot in the movies more than the book per se but i is that and i said this in a previous interview i had is i always thought his um his uh endings sucked <laughs> he did, i mean he's he, he's self-defecated himself uh to use that word in the it it movie when he says that yep. and i and yeah a lot of his endings and i think the, the one thing with my ending, it, 
everybody's gonna have their own process. I leave a lot of open, not to give things, I leave a lot of open ends because I, of course I dream of a miracle every night that somebody's gonna want a sequel and I get a nice contract. But right. his endings, I mean, especially in It, it's this brilliant novel. And the other thing to touch on, I mean, good luck getting published anywhere over 90,000 words, you know, yeah. unless you become, you, you build up to that. His, the stand, needful thing. I mean, these epic books mm-hmm. and the regular layperson reads the, I mean, you would look at it and say, okay, well, literature or a horror fanatic's going to read it. The everyday housewife, the students, everybody mm-hmm. was reading his books back then. And I mean, these were monster books. Yeah. You know, everybody knows Game of Thrones because of the TV show. How about the people that used to read it? It was a very small percentage of people that actually read those books. They're monster yep. books. And he made it flow and made it so interesting. But yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, his endings, you know, you, you can go back and then I always say, especially creative people like us, we already know what we want to do. And do film reviews, which is fantastic. And one thing right. I've learned from people I was trained was never judge a film on the film that you wanted. That's not the yeah. film that you watch a film like that's not what I wanted. So yeah. judge a film on a film, not you know, not with the film that you wanted to see, especially yeah. when you're doing like review work as well. Yeah. So King, yeah, but I mean there's definitely a big argument there that's not I mean, it at the end, it's a flying space turtle. You're like, dude, I just spent, you know, six weeks reading this. I wanted a little something better than that, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I always, I the way I would, I do my writing process, I always believe in always have an opening and always have an ending planned out. Like, even if you have to think for hours or days or weeks or whatever, till you come up with this is how I want to start the book this is how I want to end the book. And this is after you have the characters and everything, but you kind of want to figure out who, how do you start it? How do you end it? And then the middle will just come along as you're writing and you kind of, you know, process it as you're going along. But I always believe you should have an ending and a beginning always planned out, even if you kind of change your mind as you're writing, but you should always have a, know where you're going to start and how you're going to end. Okay. Um, modern audience you have got to have a strong opening so you're absolutely right it's got opening and ending and you can make adjustments but um i'm saying with amazon there's a look inside and 18 percent is what they're saying is up they're only read three or four pages you much like a horror film you have got to capture i hate to do the trope with the early death your wording and your first each chapter, your first five to seven pages has really got to hook the audience these days. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so for anyone that would like to purchase a copy of your book, where can they get it? It's available everywhere. So, nice. <laughs> so um, yeah, through New Book Authors. Um, the best the best and the cheapest way, it is available wherever book, books are sold online. I'm making my best step to get online on the shelves. Okay. Um but you can, uh, of course, Amazon, you can put my name or 70, that's Stinger. Um, uh, Barnes and Noble online, and actually Walmart. So if you've got a Walmart party or a members club, you know, you can go to those three sites. I'm big. I Second and Charles is the only local bookstore I'm in now, which is in the Akerstown area. Nice. And of course, we're still looking to get on some shelves. But a lot of the old sales are online. Awesome. Uh, but awesome. if you're on any... Yeah, any bookstore that you may be a member of something get some discounts. It is available everywhere. That's perfect. So the last question I do got for you, do you have any um, anything else you'd like to promote to the listening and viewing audience, social media accounts, websites, any other books, anything at all? Sure. So anybody can find me uh, on all the social media sites. Just my name, Lance Reedinger. Uh, the big thing I'd like to promote is uh, my third year with HorrorNation.com. 
Uh, okay. We have 200,000 followers. Uh, at least every day we have new reviews, new articles. Uh, hopefully we're going to get Scotty to something with us. Christmas with 70, uh, I got 70, he's got 72 coming out. So, um, <laughs> and we get about 20 million hits a day. So anyone uh, who's a horror fanatic, we really we're now 14 worldwide on uh, social media hits. So from when we started from nothing three years ago, they've been a blessing that, like I said, Scotty, We've got to do your interviews. You've got to work for websites. You want to build an audience. It's not just going to be yeah. a write a book and everybody's going to find it. So horrornation.com, um, everybody could go there. If you love horror, we got uh, interviews. I do some of the same interviews that Scotty does, the written word, nice. uh, movie reviews. And also there's so much material we really put out at least mm -hmm. once a month, what's being released in literature, television shows, and films. And it's been a lot of fun working Awesome. That's amazing. Well, definitely uh, check that out, everybody that's watching this, and check out 70. Pick up your copy wherever books are sold. I thank you so much, Lance, for joining me today. Thank you much, Scotty, and I yep. look forward to seeing you at Hunt Valley this fall. Absolutely. See you then. All right. All right. Bye.